And I want you to go ahead and jump in your Bibles when we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. We're going to take a break from our Acts series. Have y'all been enjoying as we walk through the book of Acts, talking about the church? Yeah, it's been good for me. It's just been good to just see how the original old church did it. We'll, we'll come back to that series in January, but this morning we'll be in uh, Isaiah chapter 9. And as I was praying this week on what to preach on and just thinking about where we are in the season of life this year, it's, um, it's, it's the time of Advent where we're looking towards Christmas. We're looking towards Jesus' coming, his birth. And um, I, I just want us to turn our gaze to that time period. I want us to gaze towards the coming of Jesus and just to think on him coming and think of his birth and what does that mean to us? Think of him coming again. As I was sitting last night, my, my little daughter, she's, she's four, Isabel, y'all know her. If you've seen her, she's running around, she's rampant, she's crazy, all that. I was sitting in the emergency room with her last night and uh, she's been having fevers for the last four days or so. She's not here today because of that, uh, as well as my wife. And um, I was just sitting there, and I'm thinking, like, man, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. You know, I, I'm, I'm holding my daughter. It's nothing like holding your child when they're sick. And I'm looking at her, and I can't really do anything. And I'm sitting there saying, well, it, when Jesus comes back, there's no sickness. I don't have to cry anymore. There's no sadness. That's the day that I'm waiting for. I'm looking forward to it. So today, this morning, I'm going to preach on that in Isaiah chapter 9. I want you all to hold on to your belief. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. If you got it, won't you stand to your feet with me if you're able. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. If you got it, go ahead and say got it. All right, starting in verse 1. Text says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former, ti former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. But in latter time, he was made glorious. He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, and the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them has Light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased this joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. I love this. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. These are the very words of God. Amen. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, hold on just a little bit longer. Can you say that to your neighbor? Hold on. Just a little bit longer. Y'all could do better than that. You could sing it. Hold on just a little bit longer. 
Let's pray before we go any forward. Father, thank you so much for your word. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to pierce the heart of the enemy, but also mold and shape ours at the same time. God, I am so thankful to be called according to your purpose. So here now, as I stand and preach, God, I pray that you would decrease me so that you may increase. Father, let your folks hear a word from you and not from me. Have your way in this place. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. You can be seated. Hold on just a little bit longer. Our text today, it comes on the heels of calamity in Israel. The people of Israel have disobeyed God. They've built idols for themselves. They've distanced themselves far away from God, not by his doing, but by their own doing. And and we see this in Isaiah 6, where you see Isaiah has this this, this experience with God. Isaiah is a prophet, and he has this experience with God where in this vision he sees his own sin, and he sees the sin of others. Now, I love his words in Isaiah chapter 6. If you've never read it, he says this when he has this experience with God. He says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. See, he sees his sin again. He sees his sin But not only that, he sees the sin of other people also. And then God says in this vision, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, send me. He says, here I am, send me. I love it. I love it, family, because what you see with Isaiah is that when he has this experience with God, when he comes in contact with God, the only, the proper response to have, the only response we have when we come in contact with the holy God is, I am unclean. I'm unworthy. I'm sinful. Because what happens is, in the midst of a holy God, we see how holy he is, we see how awesome he is, and then we see how awesome-less we are. If that's even a word, Pastor Luke. See, Isaiah is called by God to go for him and declare who God is to the people of Israel. Now, family, this is a hard message. This isn't going out just to say Jesus died for you. This is a hard message. I mean, it's one where he has to go tell the people of Israel, the once chosen people of God, that they're going to be cut down. They're going to die. They're going to be cut down to the point to where they're going to seem like a stump in the middle of a burnt down forest until unless they turn and see their need for God now seems like a harsh message right it's a tough message I mean how would you like to go tell somebody that that's been living their whole life thinking that they're about to receive something good from God that you ain't getting nothing you're about to die unless you turn to God I mean that seems harsh right Y'all not talking to me this morning. I've been away one week, and y'all don't know how to respond. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's the harsh message, right? That, that's harsh. I mean, but if you really look at the context, and you, and you look at what actually is happening here, it's really a gracious, gracious message. I mean, it, it's very gracious because the people of Israel have basically taken advantage of God. They've taken advantage of his goodness. They've taken advantage of his grace. 
They only come to him when they need him, and when they're not in need of him, they just turn their backs and they go back to what they're doing. They're, they're taking advantage of God right now. See, so it seems harsh, but it's really a gracious message, message because he's not leaving them. He's like, I, I, I'm done. But see, the people of Israel, if we're honest this morning, it sounds very familiar. It's kind of like us, right? Kind of like some people that we know when we, we turn to God when we want him, when we need him for this crisis, when we need this job, when we need this little bit of money. We, we turn to him when we need these things. But other than that, when it comes to our Christianity, it's just tucked away in the file cabinet. It doesn't really, it's not really our identity. It's not really who we are. You see, something or someone else holds that identity. Whether it be our job, it be our money, it be our car, our house, our spouse, uh, marriage, just period. We, we idolize it or, 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 or singleness or, or, or it's, it's, it's friendship. We, we have all these other things. It's something or someone else that's holding our identity. It's not God. They, they've become God in our lives. But see, in this passage, regardless of these people not holding God as their identity, being children of God, God still provides for them. Throughout the history, he still provides for them, whether it be manna from heaven when they're in the wilderness, it be a king when they ask for it, or just winning a war, period, when they pray for that. I mean, God has continually looked out for the people, and they continually go back to their own way after God is done. Have you ever been there before? Will you just do and do for somebody over and over again, and, and they don't listen, they just keep going back to the same old stuff. You try to help them see their wrongs. You try to help them see their, their lack of discipline. You, you try to help them see how to get out of something, and, and, and they just keep on going back to the same place. They just don't listen to you. I mean, better, better yet, it's kind of like trying to help somebody. You're putting your arms out to pull them out of the muck and the mire, help them get out of where they are. And every time you pull out, they grab your arm and they just chop them off. You ever felt like that before? We just try to help somebody. And every time you help them, they, they chop your arms off or they slap you in the face. They keep going back to the same old stuff. You ever been there before? Here's God saying to the prophet, saying through the prophet Isaiah, he's saying, look, look. This is what we're going to do. This is what I need you to say. Say to the people, unless you wake up, unless you see your need for me, you're cut off. You're free to go your own way. Go on. See, and here's a word for somebody in here. Because sometimes, friends, you got to let people go. You just got to let them go. I mean, when you've done all you can, at the end of the day, you don't have anything else you can do for them. The best thing you can do, the most powerful thing you can do is pray for them. Pray for them. You, you got to let them go. You can't save them. We're not God. We don't have the power to save anybody. We can't even save ourselves. The best thing you can do for somebody is just say, I'm, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to pray for you. God, God saves, not us. God says, go tell the people, I am still here, but until you recognize who I am, your need for me, I'm done. You, you, you're cut off. You're free to do what you need to do. And this begs the question, well, well, well then, if we're looking at the scripture today, because it seems like one that's very hopeful, who in the world is Isaiah talking to? Because if you look at the context that leads up to this, it seems like Israel has no hope. It seems like there's nothing in store that, that's good coming for them. 
But see, what's happening here in chapter 8, right before where we are today, is that we begin to see the difference between the people who actually live for God, the true disciple, and the person that who really doesn't live for God. The ones that say they do love him, and then the ones that, 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 that say it but really don't mean it, that their hearts have hardened, they've turned away from him. Isaiah is urging the true disciples to wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, and in the midst of darkness, there is a light And the light in the midst of darkness, it will dispel all the darkness forever because the light of the world is coming. Don't miss what he's saying. He's urging them, stand firm, stand firm, and continue to share the message of the coming king. The message that says, although times may look dark and gloomy right now, there is one that's coming that will wipe away every tear and take away all the pain and the sorrow. He's saying, hold on. He says to the remnant in the text, he says, all the ones that are remaining, he says, hold on and go out and tell others about the same hope we have in Jesus. It sounds much like where we are today. I preached on this a couple weeks ago. It sounds like where we are. See, God's message to his people has always been the same throughout all of human history. It's to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then go out and love your neighbor the same way. He's never changed his message. It's love me and love others. We see this right here in verse 1. Isaiah says, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. And then it says, he has made glorious the way by the Sea of Jordan and Galilee. Guess who starts their ministry in Galilee, makes it glorious? Jesus. So Isaiah is pointing to the, pe- pointing the people of Israel to a greater hope that he can see prophetically in the future. He says, hold on. Hold on to the promise of the Messiah. Hold on to the promise of Jesus. I mean, look at the wording in this passage. Pay attention to it. It's one to be meditated on. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Verse 3, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. Then verses 4 through 6, you see Isaiah start to just ramble it off. The, the overflowing joy that he's feeling by introducing the next few verses by, with the word for. Notice it. Read it with me. This is what he says. He says, For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressors, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For, you see the word for, for every boot of tramping warrior in battle to mold and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Don't just skim over the words. You see what Isaiah is saying here? He's telling the people, I know the times right now are hard. I, I, I know that it seems like God is not there. I know your kings and your government have let you down and left you in a place where you're down and out and you're depressed. I know all these people have ruled over you. I know that times are just hard, but hold on. Just hold on. He says their rod of persecution will be broken and their garments will be burned, basically saying that they will be no more. No more. Then, friends, here it is. He says, the child will be born to us, a son, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Verse 7, he says that his government will not end. And listen, it will not be corrupt. It will be peaceful, just, 
and righteous and last forevermore. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see a government like that. I can't wait. Friends, Isaiah is saying, hold on to the people of Israel. Hold on in the midst of sadness. Hold on in the midst of trouble. Hold on in the midst of corruption. He is coming. He's coming. I can't think of a better scripture, family, that I want to meditate on this week. That as I studied and, and thought of the recent events in our city, where a security guard is being shot by the police, trying to protect and trying to help or the recent tragic hospital murder, or the corruption in our local or national government. I mean, we keep on going that line, or even just the day-to-day trials that we go through, the tribulations, the hard times we go through. I I couldn't think of a better scripture, family. This scripture here is just as prevalent to us as it is to the nation of Israel. While, While we have much to be thankful for, we can come to church, we can do this, they, they, we can do all of that. Our world, hear me, is, we, we still, family, in our world, we still need to have faith. We still need to hold on. Hold on, renewal. Jesus is coming back. I remember when I was in Ghana, I took a mission trip to Ghana in 2007. It seems so long ago, and uh, before the trip, everyone kept saying to me, Derek, just wait till you get to Africa. You're going to see so much corruption. You're going to see all this evil, and you're going to see a lot of people that are hungry. There's going to be a lot of people hurting and all of this. And, and honestly, family, if I'm just honest with you, America is far worse, far worse. And in my ignorance, when I was over there, I, I was talking to one of the guys who was out with us, one of the fellow workers, and we were sharing the gospel. out. And I, and I just looked at him, and I just told him, I said, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I know you got all this stuff going on. And he looked at me, kind of scratching his head like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm thankful that you're praying for me, Derek. But you are the one that needs the prayer. You had all the mess going on in your country, all the corruption, all the evil. He said, you got all the distractions from your faith. Not me. He said, I- I'm praying for you. He said, you look around, it may look like I'm not, I don't have much. I really don't. But what I do have, he says, I got my faith. And because I don't have much, that makes my faith strong. He said, so Derek, I'm praying for you. And y'all, it, it was like a wake-up call for me that went off in my head. I'm like, dang. Because I didn't realize all the craziness and the mess that was happening in America until I got outside of it. I I didn't realize what was going on in our country. I was sitting there in one of the dorm rooms of one of the students, and and I'm praying with them, trying to share Jesus with them. And they asked me, they said, you know what, why do y'all kill each other so much? Black on black crime, brown on brown, white on white, vice versa. Why do y'all kill each other so much? Family, I had to step out of America to see America. Why do you keep, that, that broke my heart. Friends, we're living in some dark times. Don't, don't just think that it's so glorious right now. It's still dark. And, and that same message Isaiah gives to the people of Israel of hold on is something we need to con- constantly remind ourselves of. The fact that Jesus is better than anything we could ever have or see. The fact that he's better than all things. The world, family, hear me, everything in the world is temporary. It will not last, but Jesus will last forever, and we will be with him forever if we believe. 
that's something good. That, that, that's the belief that we hold on to if we believe. That, that, that's it. See, I can't wait to be with him. But until then, I'm going to go on and continue to share my life and live as he's called me to be, this believer that goes out and shares the faith what he's done for me. Like Isaiah says, and God says throughout the Bible, love me and love others. I'm going to do that whether through action or deed, because that's what he calls me to do. And it's no matter what's happening around me. The calamity and all the destruction and all the evil, all that, that should actually make me want to do it more. Because I want folks to know the same hope I have in Jesus. So I hold on to it. If I don't hold on to it, just keeping it to myself, I go out and I share it. I hold on knowing that the hope for me is when he comes back to take me home. I can't wait to be with him. You look at these words Isaiah uses. He calls Jesus four names. I keep saying them. He calls them four names. He begins with wonderful counselor. Let me break this down. Wonderful counselor, which combines the idea of doing something wonderful, extraordinary, miraculous. And then he combines it with the skill of giving wise advice, making plans, counsel. It's the fact that Jesus is not only going to do miraculous things, but if you think of a counselor, It's someone who walks alongside you, someone who guides you, someone who makes plans for you. He helps others in needs. This means that Jesus is the most extraordinary wise counselor who has the wisest of plans and advice just ready to give it out to whoever wants it. Who better to go to when you need counsel? Isaiah calls Jesus the wonderful counselor. He keeps going. I see y'all didn't get with that one. He keeps going and he says he's mighty God. He's a mighty God, which means God will be my strength, in other words. When all my strength fails, when you can't do anymore, when you gave it all you can, or better yet, instead of trying, why don't you just put it all down and say, God, I don't have it anymore, and I need you to do it. Can you do it? Because I know you can. You're mighty. I I heard my uncle say this once before. My uncle's a spine surgeon, and he works on people for a living. He's been doing this his whole practice. He's got his own practice. He's been doing this. He's one of the greatest, they say. And and he was sitting there, and he was was telling me about his relationship with God. And he said, man, some people in the medical world just feel like they're they're God's gift to this world. They, They have God in their hands, and they can save people. They can do all these things for people. And he said, you know... You know, as good as I am or as great as people may think I am, he said, I'm thankful that I have God on my side, that I believe in God because I've made many mistakes. He said, I work with my hands constantly, and at any moment, they could just go out and stop working. And he said, I'm thankful that I believe in God because with that, that means that someone else's life, family, is not just in my hands. He says, friends, God is mighty. We have a mighty God on our side if we believe. A God that when we fail and don't measure up, which is most of the time, he never fails. He always measures up. Somebody say he's mighty. He's mighty. Believers have a mighty God on their side. Amen? The third name he says in this passage is everlasting father which can also be read as my father is eternal or father of eternity. See, you get the image of a father where if you look biblically, the father is supposed to be the protector. He's the provider. He's a vice giver. He's a caretaker. And then you couple this image of a father with the word everlasting. 
a word that cannot be used to describe any human because we're not everlasting, but it can only be used to describe God because God is outside of time, meaning he has no beginning or end. He is the alpha and the omega. Friends, when we look at God in this light, we should be elated. We should be overjoyed beyond words because what this tells us is that Jesus is, is the Father that will provide, that will protect, that will care for us, that will be there when no friends are there, family. And he won't just do it today, but he'll do it forevermore because he's everlasting. Which means that when everybody else fails you, when your earthly father leaves you and walks out the door, you know who won't? Jesus. Because he's the everlasting father. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The last name used is Prince of Peace. Friends, a prince is the heir to a king. He's a ruler. He has people who bow down before him. He can do, frankly, whatever he wants as long as it is in line with the king. But there has never been a prince throughout human history without fault, without sin, one whose sole purpose hasn't been just for him or just ruling. Prince of Peace tells us that Jesus won't just rule, but he will rule and bring about peace, meaning there will be no more division, that there will be no more hurt, there will be no more sadness or tears, no more corruption. Friends, there will be perfect harmony between humans and, and, and between God and us. There, there's perfect peace between us and God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's what Isaiah calls him. He keeps going in the text and he caps it off and he tells us that his rule, this kingdom, Jesus is coming, will be established, not just for today. This, this rule of, of justice and peace will last forever. Friends, what a day to look forward to. As we begin to look forward to Christmas in this Advent season, we'll start our series next week. This hope that Isaiah is talking about, this coming king, was missed by many of the Israelites. It's still being missed by us today. One, because in this text, the folks either died before Jesus came to earth, or, don't miss this, they were looking for the promise hoped. Hope, as just explained before, they were looking for this while they still weren't right with God. Don't miss it. They were looking for the promise before they recognized their need for God, which meant that they were looking for the promise in all the wrong places. D don't miss it. Friends, we began by talking about Isaiah, his vision with God, what he saw with God, where he saw himself as sinful and he saw the sins of the other people. Renew, I need you to hear me now. This message of hope where Jesus is wonderful counselor, where he is mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace does not become real to us until we recognize our need for him. Hear me, when Jesus came down here to earth to die for us, he didn't come to bring peace on earth. Is it peace? No, he didn't come to bring peace on earth, but what he did come to do is when he dies on the cross is to bring peace between us and God. He was a sacrifice for our sins, and, and, and if we believe there's peace between us and God, 
And see, once we believe by faith in him, in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, this understanding of who he is becomes real. So the question that some of us need to ask ourselves this morning is, do I truly know him? Have I truly seen myself in the midst of a holy God? Because when we see ourselves in the midst of a holy God, the only response, the proper response is, woe is me. I am unclean. I'm sinful. And I need you. Here I am, God. Do with me what you want. We have to ask ourselves, do we truly know him? This message is one of hope. And it's open for all who believe. It's, not, it's open for whoever believes. Hear me. There's hope in Jesus. And although the pains of this world and its troubles are weighty, we have hope in him. His second coming, where Revelations 21, 1 through 4 says this. Look at these words and listen to them. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Man, this is good. He, he, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that good? That's the day, friends, that I look forward to. But as we think about this truth, if we believe in Jesus, the words we need to remember this morning that we constantly need to rehearse is, is the same words that Isaiah says to the Israelites, which is hold on and keep the faith. Let me end with this because I, I fear that you all might not be getting this, and I don't want you leaving here without getting what I'm saying. Man, I, I, I grew up loving music. I love music to this day. I, I, I think I can sing, but, but I love music. I can't play instruments, but I, I think I know what they sound. I, I love music. I'm something like a music, music junkie. I, I love all types. I like the blues. I like jazz. I like R&B. I like rap. I like funk. I like all of it. Pretty much everything except bluegrass. I don't get it, y'all. I'm sorry if I'm offending somebody. I don't know if it's music you listen to when the grass is blue. I don't get it. I mean, I'm a multi-ethnic pastor, but I ain't that multi-ethnic, I guess. Some of y'all going to have to explain that to me, okay? Bluegrass, I don't get it. I, I, I don't listen to that, so sorry if I offended you, but y'all going to have to exclude me on it, okay? But I love music. And this week, you know, I'm listening to some oldies, and I'm listening to some old Sam Cooke. What y'all know about Sam Cooke? Sam Cook. Some of y'all don't even don't even know that name. I don't go ahead, Miss Barb. I see you. I love me some Sam Cook, y'all. I was listening to this, and, and it's something about older music. It's something about older music that just takes me to a place because I mean these folks, they're not sitting in their plush studios with with synthesizers and, and musical engineers. Sometimes they had to hide out, especially the black artists, because they weren't allowed in all these places. They, they're sitting there, and they're writing music about what they're going through. 
They're, 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 it's heartfelt music. They're really writing this, and, and, and it's something about this old music. And as I was sitting there, I'm listening to the music, and, and Sam Cooke has, he got this song called Hold On. Hold On. And in the song, he, he's making a plea to this woman to hold on because although he may not be there physically, he's saying, I'm coming back to you. He says in the chorus, hold on just a little bit longer. Come on now, keep the faith and let your love grow stronger. Hold on. Y'all don't know it? All right. Hold on like you promised to because I'll be coming back to you. Y'all better sing it with me. Then he says, I heard just the other day that since we've been apart, someone is making a play, darling, to steal your heart. But I say, hold on, just to come on now, just a little bit longer. Keep the faith and let your love grow stronger. Hold on like you promised to, because I'll be coming back to you. He keeps singing this song. Then he says, his arms, oh, his arms may be so tempting, and his smile, it may be so divine. And somehow, honey, he may remind you of me, but don't let his charm change your mind. All I want you to do is hold on just a little bit longer. Keep the faith and let your love grow stronger. Hold on like you promised to, because I'll be coming back to you. Come on now. Y'all get the point? Some of y'all clapping and y'all missing what I'm saying. See, here it is. He said, listen to these words. See, as ironic as it may be, as I'm listening to the words, I got to thinking about Jesus and his promise to us. See, it's the fact that there may be many things in this world that are trying to make a play to steal my heart. And Isaiah is pretty much saying the same thing that Sam Cooke is saying. He's saying, hold on just a little bit longer. Keep the faith and let your love grow stronger. Hold on like you promised to. Watch this because Jesus is coming back for you. Don't miss it. His arms, oh, his arms, they may be so tempting. Talking about the arms of the world, the arms of this life, the hugs, the smiles of this world, they may be able to, what they may be, but offer you, they may look good, they may look tempting, a little bit of money over here, a pretty woman over there, a handsome man over there, they may look really great and tempting, may even remind you of what Jesus may give to you. But here's the thing, they never satisfy for eternity like our everlasting Father Jesus. Friends, Isaiah is telling us, the readers of this text, to hold on just a little bit longer. Hold on, renewal. When you flip on the news, hold on, renewal. When your world seems to turn upside down and you're down and out and depressed, hold on, renewal. When things don't go the way you want them to, hold on, renewal, because Jesus will be coming back for you. All you got to do is believe. Hold on. Hold on. Just a little bit longer. Keep the faith and let your love grow stronger. Hold on like you promised to because Jesus is coming back for you. Friends, it is a sobering and freeing knowledge to know that we that believe have a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace on our side. Let us remember him during this Christmas season and hold on, hold on. In other words, keep believing, keep believing. And family, maybe you walked in here and you're struggling with your faith. 
Maybe you walked in here and said, I don't, even have, I don't know how to hold on. Maybe this Christmas season from Thanksgiving to Christmas is just very hard for you. You've lost loved ones. Maybe you're down and out with your job and you're like, I, I, I can't hold on. What do I hold on to? Maybe you just feel depressed this morning. And you're sitting there and you're saying, well, what do I try? I, I, I tried it all by myself. I, I've tried to do all these things that I can't do it anymore. Family, hear me as I get ready to pray this morning. Won't you just trust Jesus? Won't you trust him with your heart? Won't you give him your life? He came to this earth for you and died for you on a cross. Went to the grave, rose three days later with power in his hands for you and me to make us right with God. Maybe you're in that place this morning where you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior. Won't you do it this morning? Won't you do it this morning? As I pray, I just want you to bow your head too and pray with me. That's you. Maybe you're just down and out and you're saying, I, I'm struggling with my faith. This time of year is always hard for me. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to pray this morning too. And see, here's the truth. Just as I was excited about Jesus coming back, here's the truth. If you trust him with your life this morning, guess what? He's coming back for you too. That's good news. Let's pray. Father, God, you're good. So good that you would send your son for us. Father, I just ask right now, if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice that does not know you, they're saying, I've tried all these other ways. And like Isaiah, they're saying, woe is me. I don't have what it takes, and I need you, Jesus. I pray that they will call out to you right now. And say, here I am. Do what you will with me. Make me the man and the woman that you want me to be. Not for my own good, but for your good and your glory alone. God, I pray for the person in here that's struggling with their faith. Maybe this year or this time of year is just hard for them. God, I pray that they would just hold on this morning. Hold on to the promise that you've given us that you haven't left us forever, but you're coming back and you're going to free us from the very presence of sin and this world and all the hardships. Every tear will be wiped away and we'll be with you forever. God, that's a promise and a hope and a joy that we look forward to. So God, I pray that you lift spirits this morning. Pray that you'll heal folks that are sick. Pray that you'll touch the folks in their hearts where they need to be touched right now, knowing that, and they will know that you're there. God, I pray as a church that we would just hold on. Knowing that there are folks that still need to know you. And there will be, will continually be your mouthpiece for your glory. Father, we will hold on.